Are we, are we live now? I'm recording. You're listening to Mumbrella Cast. Mumbrella, Mumbrella, Mumbrella Cast. Welcome to the Mumbrella Cast. I'm Deputy Editor Josie Tutty. And joining me to break down the week in media and marketing is News Editor Paul Woolbank. Hello there. And Senior Agencies Reporter Abigail Dawson. Hello. Coming up this week... VMLY&R win the Defence Force Recruitment Account. Icon rebrands. And we wrap up the week's Creative Odysseys in Creative Corner, including the Gillette ad controversy. Uh, but first up, there was some good news for VMLY&R this week, as the agency won its first account since its recent merger. And it was quite a big one, wasn't it, Abby? Yeah, it was a quite a, a big account and it is one of the bigger accounts and it, it is quite highly regarded in the industry as well. I think, you know, you look at the work that incumbent agency Host Havas did for the years that they had it and it was definitely quite significant. And, you know, I actually think, and I think this is the opinion of a lot of people in the industry, that they did do a really good job with that account. Now, Host Havas did suffer, unfortunately, quite a few redundancies in the wake of the news that the account would be shifting to VML YNR. Why were there quite so many reported redundancies? We haven't actually had them confirmed completely on the record yet, but uh, I believe it was around 70 we were reporting. So industry speculation was that there was around 70 redundancies or up to 70 redundancies. Now, Host Havas um, have commented and said that that is inaccurate, but they haven't given an accurate number of redundancies. So, uh, you know, all we can go off is sort of speculation and what people have been saying. Now, the DFR is a big account. Um, it isn't 70 people big. You know, if, if 70 isn't is an accurate number, you know, I'd speculate that there are other reasons why there have been redundancies. Uh, and, it, and it is unfortunate for Host of Us because they, they I, you know, as I sort of said before, I do think they did a really good job on that account. And the word in the industry is as well that it did come down to in the final two Host Havas and VML YNR and Host Havas just missed out. And the, the shortlisting, uh, which all the agencies who were shortlisted were paid $13,000 for their pitching time and efforts. Uh, and it came down to VML YNR, Host Havas, Clemenger Sydney, MNC Saatchi, BWM Dentsu, JWT. BMF and TBWA Melbourne. Um, and then, you know, the final two that it came down to was VML, YNR and Host Havas. And we should keep in mind that this is by far the biggest federal government um, ad spend on that account. Uh, that's 100, out of the $157 million spent last year by the federal government, 30.1 was on that one account alone. So wow. it is a very substantial account. Yeah, there, there would definitely, you would definitely need to, or I can only assume that VML YNR certainly will have to bulk up to be able to service that account. And, um, you know, it's worth keeping in mind that this is the first major account that they have won since they merged at the end of last year. So that's YNR and VML uh, merging. And, and this is uh, by far the biggest account that they've won. So it will be quite interesting to see what flavour um, the new agency has and, and what work they bring to the DFR account because it, it, it will it be YNR infused or will it be VML infused? But or maybe a bit of both. <laughs> that's the game. Um, but uh, 
it is sort of interesting to note as well that VML over in the US have done work with uh, the Defence Force over there. So they do uh, sort of have a little bit of a history overseas working with similar accounts as well. Now, moving on, there's been another big rebrand for a WPP agency this week as Icon Communications rebranded to a more modern looking logo. Now, Paul, why do you think people love to hate on agency rebrands quite so much? Because we've had a lot a lot of engagement in our comments thread about this one. We always do. I, I don't think it's agency rebrands. I think it's rebrands in general. I mean, people get used to a brand, uh, used to its looks, um, get whether they love it or hate it when, the, when it originally comes out. They get used to it. And then when all of a sudden that brand changes again, uh, people get quite upset about it, as we see in our comments um, section. So... I think uh, we shouldn't be surprised that uh, there's a bit of uh, upset with that. I've got to admit, I'm I wasn't a fan of the old icon. Mm, um, me neither, bra- really. Branding it's a bit um, unusual. Yeah, and this one least. doesn't really do it for me either. I've got to say. <laughs> so, uh, so we haven't had a lot of grief um, so far over icon, but uh, I would imagine that we're going to we're going to see a bit more about it. The the reasoning as well, uh, according to Icon, which is a WPP-owned agency, and Landor did the rebrand, which is a fellow WPP agency. But uh, Icon have said that um, the branding aims to match the dynamicism and flexibility is of that a word. <laughs> of Icon and its people. Yeah. Well, this is what happens when you do your creative in-house, I guess. And um, to explain the branding a little bit, it is nine shapes that form the word icon, so I-K-O-N, and the nine shapes make up that word, and it, and it's also supposed to reflect what icon does, so strategy, creative, planning. Now, Icon were obviously recently in the news for the big court case that they had against their client, Advangin. Um, their client was suing them for allegedly overseeing a very poorly executed campaign now now icon won that court case do you think this is a sign of a fresh start for icon they're kind of moving on from the icon of old i mean it's certainly if it's not it's a big coincidence uh and it's certainly a strange time to be rebranding but uh having said that you know we've spoken a lot about wpp in our podcasts and on our website and it does to me seem like all the agencies within WPP are going through their own sort of rebrand and, you know, some are starting from the inside out and others from the outside in. So it doesn't surprise me that it's a WPP brand sort of needing to consolidate its place in the market. It needs to, you know, tell its consumers and tell its its brands that it's working with what it stands for and who it is and why it's important and why they should care. So it doesn't surprise me that it is rebranding. And look, to be honest, it probably does have a little bit to do with the court case just to sort of separate itself from that a little bit. And look, I'm not the biggest fan of the rebrand, but it does certainly look a lot fresher and a lot cleaner and a lot newer. The old icon logo sort of could have been like a food brand or something. It just kind of remind me of a foreign food brand type. It was just plain red, sort of slightly weird script. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas this one definitely does feel a lot fresher and newer. So I think they've sort of nailed that. Does it to me say flexibility and dynamicism? I'm not quite sure. 
But I think it's something we've seen this week, actually, with the Slack rebrand, um, something that I've been noticing seeing as my umbrella stuff do use Slack, and it has been slightly annoying me because I'm like, where's my Slack tab? Oh, it's there. It's just got a different icon. Um, people do have quite strongly held opinions and feelings about logos that they're used to. And, you know, I think... It, eventually you sort of just move on and you do just get used to it it was a similar thing that happened with the uber logo yeah. as well everyone hated it then everyone got used to it and i think they've actually changed that back now um but it definitely does cause a lot of a lot of outspoken controversy whenever a company seems to change their logo it's like when uh, safeway became woolworths mm. and uh, you know growing up and going to Safeway, you know, growing up in Melbourne and there were Safeways around and and then all of a sudden it became Woolies or Woolworth and it was so confusing and that has been years and I still say Safeway <laughs> to this day. I just can't get past it. But as you're right, I don't know what it is. I don't really know why I care, but for some reason I really do. I think there's a touch of the Victorian parochialism there, just as a just as a background <laughs> for anyone wondering what um, what actually happened there. That uh, Safeway in uh, Victoria was Woolworths Victorian brand, and uh, it was rebranded um, ten years ago, fifteen years a while ago. ago. Yeah, yeah, and uh, became Woolworths across the country. And uh, again in Victoria, another example of. Sydney, New South Wales, flexing its muscles. Well, that was a tangent I was not expecting on this podcast, but uh, there you go. There we go. <laughs> and there were quite a few strange things happening in the world of creative this week, starting with Mercedes-Benz and the Royals creating an ad featuring a car being chased by speeding paparazzi. Now, this is obviously a little problematic on a number of levels, especially for those of you old enough to remember that Princess Diana was in a Mercedes when, well, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Um, Abby, do you think this ad is going to get banned? I will not strongly say yes, because I don't think that it will. And I, and I don't actually know if it will. Um, an ad that it was quite similar to was the Volkswagen Too Powerful TV ad, which was in fact banned, but it was banned because it overtook a road train. Um, so that was the reason why that ad was banned. Whereas this ad, you know, it, it is shown driving through the country and driving at fast speeds. But I don't think there's anything there apart from a scene where it does get a little bit of air that might be a bit iffy. Uh, but to me, it doesn't seem like something that would be banned because there aren't any strict road rules broken when it has uh, when it's driving. I mean, I'm sure there will be complaints for uh, Princess Diana reason being one, um, and also someone will complain about unsafe driving for sure. But I don't know if that actually will be upheld by the Ad Standards Board. On the Princess Di thing, I did enjoy our readers' comment and love those comments to death uh, uh, from someone allegedly Princess Diana saying, "Is it is being chased by a paparazzi such a great uh, such a great storyline?" So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that um, do is there. You have to question this, but isn't it interesting that we've come with to the point now with ad standards and car ads that we we start dissecting these ads, looking for the reasons why they're going to get uh, <laughs> banned by ad standards because the definitions now are so tight on them and mm. the rulings are so tight. And I've got to say, you've got that bit where the uh, car itself gets airborne, but also uh, one of the motorbikes gets airborne. 
Osborne. That was what immediately came up as a red flag when I looked at it. Um, I thought this may mm. well be in trouble for this. And uh, in fact, uh, it's got to this point now when, when I looked at that NRMA ad a few weeks back with the uh, doll where the girl holds the doll out of the car, I thought, oh, that's probably going to get in trouble with that standards. It hasn't, but we've started double guessing to that degree with it. I did actually like the ad though. I thought it was quite well shot. I thought it was um it was quite comedic and I did I did really like it and I did sort of like the ending where spoiler alert um three Mercedes sort of pulled out and all went in different directions and all the paparazzi were sort of left scratching their head. I did actually enjoy watching it. I did think it was a good ad um you know for production value and comedic value and uh, it was one of those ads that didn't have any words but sort of kept you hooked and I, I really did I did enjoy watching it and that was done by the Royals, so hats off. I did enjoy the clapped out um, uh, Volvo that uh, one of the paparazzi were driving to, which is probably close to reality with this. Yeah. Now moving on on this little creative corner wrap of the week, um, it's not a Mumbrella cast episode without a reference to Ultra Tune, who coincidentally released their new ad featuring Charlie Sheen this week. Hey, check out those boats! Wow, they're so big. Paul, I know you had some feelings on this one. What did you think of uh, the ad? It was, uh, for me, it was a face moment. Um, it really, uh, it really summed up everything that's uh, um, everything that's that uh, meme about. Ultra tune ads. The uh, this theme of um, uh, right down to the number plate of the car that they're driving. I think it was Rubber Girls, was it? Um, yeah, and then uh, Warwick Capper is the. Uh, well, we think it's Warwick Capper is the skipper of the boat. Which, uh, yeah, um, it, and it just sleazy um, um, take off of the nineteen seventies and eighties. Worst of advertising. Am I the only person who doesn't know who Warwick Capper is? He's a former AFL player that was no. Great. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Warwick Kappa came to prominence in the 1980s as an AFL player in his tight shorts for the Sydney Swans. And he had a similar fall from grace, ended up on the Gold Coast with uh, very similar to um, Charlie Sheen's downfall. Yeah. Look, that ad. I mean, it's always a bit of a face palm when you see Ultra Tune ads, and as much as Ultra Ultra Tune, you know, like to back them and, and get involved in our comment thread and all the power to them. Uh, you know, it's. I find it hard to see how it works, but apparently it does. But we're talking about it, so there must Very be cut true. somehow. Look, the <laughs> other thing that I did think about that add-on, you know, talking about ad standards, is uh, the Facebook version of the ad. The girls are seen running through a stop sign. Uh, so it would not surprise me if that was in fact upheld by the ad standards board. Uh, you know because it, it breaks a road rule of the girls I feel like you could have a, a good sign. future career as a traffic cop at abs after this job. I would oh. be a great traffic cop. <laughs> or running the Ed Standards Board. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Um, yes, yeah, so look, the ad, you know, to basically give you a run-through of what happens, the, the rubber girls, as they're sort of indirectly called, as Paul mentioned, you can 
see it on their number plate, there's four of them, are seen driving in a pink convertible and they're driving down a road which uh, essentially drops off into the water and their brakes stop working and they press the brakes and they fall in or drive into the water and they are seen swimming out so they have avoided ad standards there because they are seen surviving the incident. Um, the Ultratune was previously upheld for an ad where girls weren't seen walking away from uh, a train crash incident and and it was upheld. So well done, Ultratune. You have learnt your lesson here. Uh, but then the, the uh, uh, girls find Charlie Sheen, who was the star of the US TV series Two and a Half Men uh, and has also been a convicted sex offender. Uh, so anyway, they, they jump onto his boat and he basically says, despite not having any dry towels left, lucky me, I can rescue these girls and uh, that is basically where it ends. I mean, essentially Charlie pulls out his phone and he's like, oh, selfie, but the girl checks her Ultratune app instead. Yeah. um, I think I just want to sigh and move on now. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Sydney Beer Co.'s latest ad was giving some of our readers a sense of deja vu this week. There's plenty to love about being in Sydney during summertime but temperatures rising to 47 degrees is probably not one of them. However, to ensure this is not an entirely bad thing, Sydney Beer Co. has introduced the Summer Price Index. As the temperature goes up, our beer price comes down. Simply monitor the day's temperature, lock in your discount, then grab your crisp, cold Sydney Beer Co. lager at one of these participating Sydney venues. This summertime, it's Sydney time. Now, Abby... Is this simply a riff-off of Snickers' hunger rhythm or is that not fair? So uh, the Sydney Beer Co. ad, sort of just to take it back a step for the readers who haven't seen it, uh, it was created by an agency called BD and basically it's an app and the hotter the temperature of the weather is, the cheaper beer gets. Uh, and Snickers' hunger rhythm campaign which was done by Clemenger BBDO I think two three years ago to won th- lots of awards if I remember correctly it certainly did it was in the same year as meet Graham they had a good year that year um, and basically it was again an app where the angrier the internet got the cheaper Snickers bars got so you can definitely see the similarities here now I mean I guess the unfortunate thing for Sydney Beer Co is that Snickers Hungarism was such a hit and it was the first of its kind and it was well received, it was well awarded and I think that they've done this idea a little bit too late. I mean, I'm still in two minds of whether or not someone can do something similar to Hungarism if they sort of monopolise the idea Mm. of something being discounted because yeah. of something else because that is quite a broad idea so I'm not I'm not too sure that I would sort of say it's fair to say that no one else can do it again but I just don't think that Sydney Beer and Co did it anywhere near as good and that's where the issue lies in my mind it's almost as if they've uh, someone says if Clem's invented a new way of doing discounts and that's basically what is being copied here uh yeah as you say it's a discount that's related to something external that's happening but that's almost just such a clever idea that there are actually a lot of applications Mm. for it and i don't necessarily think it's just they're copying them 
well they kind of are but it's almost like they've come they've come up with a new way to do it and you know I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that I think too there's two other aspects to this as well there's first the opportunistic aspect that uh, the headlines at the moment are about the heat wave that we're currently going through across eastern and southern Australia so that's picking up on that and then of course um, there's a responsible service of alcohol side of it which gets us talking about all of this um, so it is working in terms of uh, suddenly we're talking about a um, brewing operation which I'm aware of but it's not a huge operation I mean from another marketing point and, and one of our commenters actually pointed this out and I thought it was a really really good point um, author Les Benet uh, says those people who downloaded the app are loyalists so uh, that is actually quite an interesting point I think because this campaign to me isn't a way of getting new people to buy the beer uh, or, or get the beer. It's sort of for those people who already really like the beer, enjoy the beer, are happy to download that app because they're going to use it a lot of times. But for me, I mean, hey, I love drinking beer in summer. It's great, but I'm not going to go and download the app because I don't really care enough and I'm not going to seek out hot temperatures and, you know, the certain locations where that beer is so I think it's a campaign that will only really work for Sydney Beer Co customers anyway yeah I still think though the fact that we're talking about it and I think they're probably hoping that uh, some of the major media outlets picked it up too and started talking about it regardless of whether 10 people or a thousand people download the app I think it's more about getting that brand visibility in the marketplace and everyone loves moaning about the weather yes and but, cheap beer. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, if to your point earlier, Paul, it, it is a very relevant topic and they have done that. That's a good PR strategy there. They've, they have done that really well because people are love to talk about the heat and love to complain about the heat. So it is easy to, to tie it into headlines. So I think they have done that really well from a, a media perspective. And finally, I don't think we can end our episode this week without at least mentioning the Gillette ad, which has been causing a lot of controversy around the world. To say the right thing. To act the right way. Not cool. Not cool. Some already are. In ways big and small. I am strong. I am strong. But some is not enough. So how we treat each other, okay? Okay. Because the boys watching today will be the men of tomorrow. Now, Paul, what exactly is it about this ad that's been causing so much controversy? Well, the ad portrays a whole bunch of um, um, unacceptable behaviours um, and um, yeah poor behaviour by men and uh, how, how to resolve it and how uh, men can do better. And this has triggered a lot of people um, uh, who have um, who've criticised the ad for um, emasculating men, um, talking about toxic masculinity and um, a whole bunch of um, – um, Abby's rolling her eyes as I'm talking about this um, – a whole bunch of the commentary at uh, talking about what, why don't we talk about toxic femininity and so on. It's, um, it's an interesting ad. Um, I, when I saw the ad um, first time, I've got to admit I was a little bit underwhelmed with it. I could see how Gillette were uh, positioning themselves with the Me Too um, uh, side of things and uh, maybe even repositioning their brand because that best the man can be. Uh, the brand really was looking a bit dated, I think, and I th- 
think this refreshes it and repositions it maybe for a younger audience. But uh, the men's right advocates and um, their various camp followers have really reacted to this quite viscerally. In fact, I, I was taken aback at how um, how um, how angry the reaction has been to this. Look, you know, I think women in advertising are constantly told to love their body, to be thinner, to be bigger, to be fitter, to be healthier, to be stay-at-home mums, to not be stay-at-home mums. They're told all sorts of different things and, and they have been for, for years and years, uh, decades but I think the thing is that women know that it's just advertising and it's it's just, you know, it, that's exactly what it is. It's advertising. And I think that's sort of where I see a bit of a disconnect in this is there are men that are getting really, really offended. But I think you also do have to remember it's just advertising. And I also think from Gillette's point of view this it was brave it was a brave thing to do because Gillette's audience are men and telling men to be better or to hold yourself to higher standards uh, that's that's a tough thing to say and some people aren't going to like hearing it and some people are going to say you know hey you can't taint me with the same brushes people who are doing the wrong thing but I think it's a really important me- message to spread and uh, you know I, I definitely don't think that it deserves the controversy that it's getting but I'm really glad people are talking about it. And I think something that has been slightly misconstrued is when you say toxic masculinity, you're not saying all men are toxic. You're saying we live in a culture where gender roles are on the extreme end, sometimes considered toxic. The idea of letting boys fight, you know, just saying boys will be boys, that is toxic. Mm. Um, bullying is toxic. Being patronising in the workplace is toxic. Yeah, exactly. So it's not calling out each individual man and saying you are a toxic person it's saying we exist in a culture and that's kind of the conversation that I think Gillette are trying to tap into but I think some men have felt personally attacked by the ad and I think I think the other thing there too is you know with this me too movement and with you know whether violence where there are gender roles involved it's often in advertising told from the woman's point of view and you're often seen it from their point of view as a victim whereas this kind of flips that on its head and it's saying you know hey let's not talk about the victim side of things let's actually talk about you know what we can do about it and how we can hold ourselves to higher standards so you know I, I don't think that men should be getting, or women, if there are women upset about it too, should be getting any more upset about it than, you know, a domestic violence ad that plays on TV. It's just told from a different perspective, but it's still the same message. And ultimately it is a positive ad. At the end of the ad, there's lots of shots of young boys saying, you know, the future knows this and the future is going to be better. So I personally saw that as a really positive thing Mm. for the male gender. Um, and yeah, I, I did feel like it was a positive thing and all of the negative commentary and outrage was slightly overblown. Well, it really is. Going back to your point, Abby, um, it's going around the internet at the moment, the list of all the things that advertising asks women to be and women go, oh, okay, and then uh, Gillette, ask, uh, men act better and all the men lose it. And it really is that. I mean, there's a campaign going around of hashtag boycott Gillette where um, people are throwing out all their Gillette products. Uh, one gentleman uh, videoed himself flushing a Gillette razor down the toilet, which uh, um, many people have pointed out is probably going to entail a plumber's visit in the next few weeks. And <laughs> deserves it. Also, I think what's more offensive to men is the way that Gillette have treated them in the past as people who only understand products that are really masculine and That's have right. 
are grey and red and have flashy racing stripes on them. I think that's more insulting to men than this ad personally. So I yeah, think well, it's a step in the right direction. Well, also it puts a lot more nuance in it too. I mean, those classic Gillette ads um, are those you know, square-jawed actors, um, movie star looks, um, you know, um, just really a one-dimensional view. Of that too, this puts a lot more nuance into it. Uh, so I think it's a positive ad too, but, uh, but gee whiz, there's a lot of people that disagree with us on this. And I think that's all we've got time for. If you feel like helping us out, it would be great if you could um, rate and write a little comment on iTunes describing why you love listening to us because it really does help us out. Um, that's all for this week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Thanks Joyce. Joyce.